gathering together for another occasion to reflect upon the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, to contemplate the essential teachings, to give our time, our attention to the practice of Dhamma, not just hearing Dhamma teachings, but practicing it, putting it into action, embodying Dhamma, realizing Dhamma, and that leading to the realization of everything that constitutes this body, this mind, this world, essentially is Dhamma. It's all part of nature. This body, this mind, this world, it's all part of the natural order. Everything is Dhamma in its essence. Feeling the presence of the body, attending to that, the posture of the body, attending to the mood of the mind, noticing what's here in our attitude, the mood of this moment. How is it? Activating the quality of awareness, of knowing, vicha, awakened awareness, to receive, to know the qualities of this moment, this body, this mind, the perceptions of the world around us, within us. When we take refuge in Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, we chant these classical verses reciting the qualities of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. It's quite a stylized language, the acts of devotion, also ancient rituals of chanting, putting the hands in Anjali, bowing together, chanting together, reciting these words. But we recite them, we pay respect to them, because of the meaning they contain, the qualities that they represent. Buddha doesn't just mean the great teacher, Gautama Buddha, who lived two and a half thousand years ago. But the word Buddha means awake, aware. So to pay respects to the Buddha, to take refuge in Buddha, is to choose to be awake, to embody that quality of vicha, to know, to attend. To take refuge in Dhamma is not just paying respects to the words the Buddha spoke, Dhamma means reality, nature. So to take refuge in Dhamma, to pay respects to Dhamma, means to choose to live in accordance with reality, fundamental realism. To align the attitude of this heart with nature, with reality, with the way things are. To take refuge in Sangha, it's not just paying respects to 
those who are wearing robes and taking renunciant precepts and are formal followers of the Buddha. But the quality of Sangha is what derives from when the awake mind sees the way things are. What arises is wholesome action, wholesome intentions, wholesome speech. When the awake, aware mind knows the way things are, what arises is Sangha. That in the heart which loves the good, delights in the good, the wholesome, the noble, the honest, the harmless. So to take refuge in Sangha is to choose to listen to that voice, that voice in the heart that loves the good delights in simplicity, honesty, compassion, kindness. So in the practice of meditation then, we're taking these very qualities, awareness, attunement to reality, and inclining towards the wholesome. These are not just objects of reverence for a puja, but they're the, the very fabric of working with the mind, liberating the mind, liberating the heart. This is the very fabric of the practice of Dhamma. Strengthening this quality of awareness, Letting that be something which is central, regarded with respect and seen as important. Bringing that awareness to the feelings of this moment. We gather the attention, first of all, around the posture, then around the breathing or the footsteps. But those kind of exercises or taking those particular objects for attention, essentially a step along the way. They're a skillful means, upaya. We attend to the breath in sitting meditation to key the attention into the present reality, the experience of this present moment. So the breath is like a flag like on the golf course, the flag marks where the hole is. If you've already reached the green, you don't need the flag. You can see the hole. You're right up close to it. Then you take the flag out of the hole to get it out of the way. In the same way, the same fashion, if the attention is resting steadily in the present, we hear sounds or we notice the sensations in the body, but the mind isn't distracted or caught up, or carried away by that, by random thoughts and moods and ideas. Then there's no need to focus on the feeling of the breath as a specific object of attention. Yesterday in the meditation guidance in the afternoon, was suggesting how we could 
Notice the feelings of the breath within the space of our awareness. Feeling that, knowing that internal spaciousness. Watching the sensations of the breath coming and going, the, the oscillation of the breathing within that space of awareness. As the mind settles over these days, these hours together, bringing attention to a spiritual training, spiritual practice, living quietly, reflectively, then perhaps it's a little easier to attend to the present, that the tendency towards distraction is diminishing, lessening. But if the attention is more steady, stays with the present experience more easily, then after having established that quality of attention, focusing on the present, we can let go of the breath as a specific object. Just let there be this great, grand open space of the heart. This space of awareness. Feelings of the body, weight of your body on the cushion or the stool, the chair. Sensations of cloth on your skin, your clothes. Temperature of the air on your skin, warm or cool. Sounds we hear in the room, in the street, outside the window the garden, birds waking up in the morning, the world moving around, sounds, sensations, fragments of thought, associations of memory, mental images, and pop into being. They arrive in that internal space, they're known, and they dissolve. Like somebody walking into a room, turning around and walking out again. Different objects, sensory perceptions, sound, light, taste, thought. They arise and take shape, but like objects appearing in a mirror, the mirror just reflects them and it's not excited or disturbed, not irritated or offended by whatever is reflected in its surface. It's unbiased, unconfused, receives and reflects. We can guide the meditation in the same way as being that awake, aware, knowing quality. The vijjadhatu, the element of knowing, element of awareness, embodying. That quality. Vijja, knowing, awareness. The opposite of avijja, not knowing, unawareness, ignorance. Hearing the sound of this voice, feeling the sensations of the body, textures of mood, sleepiness or alertness, irritation, delight, neutral feelings taking them all in, 
knowing letting them all go. As if this space of the heart, the space of awareness was like a huge lung, kind of psychological lung, breathing in the texture of this present experience, breathing it in, knowing it, letting it go, breathing out. In these morning reflections, the chanting that we did today, for some of you this is very familiar, for some it's very new. We're reciting these qualities of what we call the five aggregates or the five khandhas, the five focuses of identity. This is the basic divisions of the mental and physical world. Rupa, form means the physical body and the, the world of material objects. Rupa, the world of form, three-dimensional space. The first of these groups of experience. Rupa, then Vedana, feeling, sensations, pleasant, painful, neutral. And the next one is sanya, perception, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. Then sankhara, which means intentions, moods, emotions, thoughts, memory, imagination, the vast array of mental activity. And then vinyana, sense consciousness is the very building blocks of all experience. In a way, the first four of those groups built up out of the atoms of sense consciousness, just like molecules are made up of atoms of carbon and oxygen, phosphorus, nitrogen. You can think of sense consciousness, vinyana, as the building blocks of experience, the pixels of experience that make up the Images that are formed into an idea, a mood, a sound, a taste, a sensation. These are the building blocks of experience. Now in this chanting that we recited, we went through this morning, and these qualities of Dukkha, unsatisfactoriness. Birth is dukkha, aging is dukkha. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair are dukkha. Association with the disliked is dukkha. Separation from the liked is dukkha. Not getting what you want. Not attaining one's wishes is dukkha. This is a way of reflecting on that any sensory experience, any thought or mood or feeling, sight, sound, smell, taste or touch, cannot possibly please or bring completion, wholeness, permanently. It's unsatisfactory, even though it might be sweet and delightful, it can't stay, it can't hold together, it can't be owned. So even though it might be delightful, its dukkha is in its transiency, its unownability. 
the incapacity to permanently and totally satisfy. Anicca means unstable, transient, changing, uncertain. Nietzsche is certainty, certain. Anicca, not certain, not stable. So these are ways of reflecting upon the body and mind, the mental and physical world. The body is in a state of change. We breathe all the time. It moves and shifts all the time. Cells are constantly forming and dying. Rupang Anichang, the body, the material world, never stops changing. So too, feeling, sensation, perceptions, mental formations, consciousness. They're all in a state of transiency. And not self, anatta, is the most tricky or challenging to understand. Meaning the body has no owner. There isn't really a thing here that genuinely owns this body, or these thoughts, these sensations. They're not truly and completely who and what we are. We can say this is my body, but even since we sat down this morning, our bodies have changed. So... That which we assumed was being owned is in a state of change. But what is it here that does any owning? What is there that can be owned? And what is there that can genuinely do any owning? The body is not self. Rupang anatta. Feelings are not self. Perceptions not self. Mental formations not self. Consciousness not self. So we're not trying to take these principles as a sort of articles of faith, things to believe in. Think, oh, I'm supposed to believe I don't exist, or I haven't got a body, this body is an illusion. These are not philosophical principles to believe in or to grasp, but rather they're tools to examine the habits of identification. Like a set of screwdrivers or a tire lever to get the tire off your, the wheel of your car or your motorbike, your bicycle. There are a set of tools to unpick the habits of identification and attachment. So when a sensation, an uncomfortable feeling arises in your knee, oh, that's my knee, I'm experiencing pain. I hear the sound of Ajahn Amaro's voice. I'm hearing. To reflect on Anicca Dukkha Anatta, say, well, is that sound permanently pleasing? I might be glad to hear these Dhamma teachings. If I heard the same words over and over again, would that still be pleasing? No. A Dukkha, they can't satisfy permanently. Is that sound, is that sensation in a state of change? Yes. And that which knows the sensation, or that which hears the sound, or that which understands the words, or wishes they understand, understood the words, 
that I, what is that referring to? There's hearing, there's feeling, but calling it an I who does or who feels, who knows, is that the case? What is that? Does this moment have an owner? Is this thought, this memory, truly who and what I am? Now we use these reflections on anicca, dukkha, anatta to explore those habits of attachment. So as we sit, open the heart to the flow of experience in the moment. And there's assumption, I'm hearing the sound of that bird. I'm hearing the morning reflections. Taking the teaching on anatta, then there's a question. Who is it that hears? Does this sound have an owner? The mind says, I am hearing, I am feeling, I am meditating, I am confused. But what is that I am referring to? Is this who and what I am? Is there anything substantially there? Well, when these kinds of reflective inquiry are applied, we're not looking for some sort of perfect conceptual answer. But those reflective questions, that inquiry, is designed to burst the bubbles of assumption, to strengthen, to catalyze the insight, the wisdom of the heart that knows, oh, there's hearing, but there's no person here that owns that sound. There's knowing, there's feeling. But that which knows the feeling isn't an I or a me or a mine. There's knowing. There's the perceptions of personhood, a body, a memory, a name. But that which knows the person isn't really a person. And in that moment of recognition that, oh, that knowing of the heart, that the assumptions about a self, an I, a me, a mine, they're empty, void. And that bubble bursts, there's a moment of freedom, of ease. Self-view, conceit falls away for a moment. When that insight, that understanding dawns, is clarified, is what we call vipassana, insight, seeing inwardly, seeing clearly. In that moment of letting go of attachment, identification, there's ease, there's peace, delight. The heart knows thought and feeling, sight and sound, smell, taste, touch, but is not limited by those, not identified with those. In that moment of insight, of non-identification, 
So it's the establishment of awareness, vicha, embodying that quality of awareness, of knowing, being buddha, being awake. Knowing the world of body and mind, the inner world, the outer world, but not bounded to that, not limited by that, not burdened by that, not identified with that. Free, not tied to the realm of birth and death, beginning and ending, not tied to time or location, identity, not even tied to concepts or language. Awake, aware, peaceful, fully alive. Establishing the heart in Vija in this way is another of the exit points from the cycle of dependent origination. Not letting Avija arise, not letting there be ignorance, but the heart established in, in Vija, in knowing. The whole cycle doesn't begin. There's an openness, radical attunement. The heart knows its own nature, which is Dhamma. The mind is Dhamma, not a person. And the establishment of this kind of clarity, this awareness, the heart knowing its own nature, the Dhamma, knowing its own nature, limitless, timeless, joyful, peaceful. Now if we open the heart to the present reality in this way, perhaps for a time there can be that clear receiving of the flow of thought and sound and color and form, we open our eyes and move around, it can still be that quality of openness, non-attachment, non-identification. But it can also be that very quickly the mind gets distracted, caught up in a train of thought, swept away by a memory, a feeling in the body, a sound that we hear out in the garden or the street. The focus is lost. The mind is latched onto an object and has been born into it, chased after it, grasped it, become it, born into it. Annoyed with a sound or lost in the smell of toast coming from the kitchen. If the mind is caught up, distracted, then notice that. We can set the intention to practice vipassana, practice insight with this quality of open awareness and reflecting on the flow of experience using those tools of impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, not self. And for a few seconds, a few minutes perhaps, that can be established. But if the attention's got caught and carried away, Notice that. Appreciate that. Refocus the attention on the posture. Balancing energy and relaxation in the posture. 
focusing on the breath, feeling the rhythm of the breathing, re-establish that connection of the attention with the present reality. Refocus. Let go of whatever the, the mind has been born into. Leave that be. Re-establish the attention here, now. And when the attention is grounded once again, then can let go of the breath or the footsteps, whatever we might be using. So each of us has to know the particular characteristics of this mind, this field of experiences, varies with each one of us. We're all different. So if you had the idea of practicing insight, open awareness, and have got carried away, don't just assume that hasn't happened, but work with it. Go back to the breath, re-establish attention, let go again. So we're working with the way things are, not with how we think they should be, or just following an instruction because that's what you were told. But we work with the way it is, rather than based on some idea or ideal or some plan. And whether we make use of a reference point like the breath, meditation object, or that's no longer needed. Use your own wisdom to make those decisions. Let those decisions come from mindfulness, from that attunement to the present. Work with the flow of the day, times of formal practice or informal practice. Engaging with your family members, the things that need to be done around your home, around the monastery, wherever you happen to be. So that this quality of mindful awareness, attunement, that becomes the refuge. This is genuinely taking refuge in Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. Paying attention to the situation as it's experienced. Letting the adjustments come from that attunement. Decisions made from mindfulness and wisdom rather than an ideal or a plan or a system, an instruction. The heart attunes itself to the reality of the present, and then adjustments arise from that.